0: The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk podcast network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada on this Saturday evening, January 22nd, 2022. You can contact us online on the web, animeroundtable.com, Twitter and Instagram at animeroundtable, and email animeroundtable at gmail.com. Good evening from Toronto. Mike Nicholas, James Austin, Kevin Ng, Mohammed Shamarki, and Jeff Gregg in a fully round table tonight for the first time in 2022. So uh, much to talk about, and let's get right to it. Uh, We have a, and we're going to start this week with a little bit of breaking news. As breaking news gets on a podcast, as we mentioned, we are starting to tape this. ...in the evening on January 22nd. Earlier today, this afternoon, I believe around noon, Anime North announced that they're pushing back the big show this year from their traditional last weekend of May, from the May 27th to 29th date, and they're going to push it back almost two months to the middle of July, July 15th to the 17th. We're going to read the statement in full here. While the current situation with COVID-19 has been worrisome, we still plan to hold Anime North 2022. to, To allow the current wave to completely subside and to take advantage of the better summer weather, we will be moving from our usual weekend date at the end of May to July 15th to 17th, This date change is for this year only. We expect to return to our regular date in 2023. We are currently planning around the assumption that all, that our venues will be under 50% capacity limit, which will require us to have an attendance cap. Attendees as well as staff and vendors should also plan on having to wear masks and be fully vaccinated as required by the province of Ontario. If these requirements are relaxed We will make announcements on how this will impact the convention policies this year. To give time for the word to get out, we will be delaying registration opening until Tuesday, March the 1st, 2022. A follow-up announcement will be coming in early February with admission prices and the size of the attendance cap. The room blocks at our partner hotels will also be opening March 1st, and information on roommates will be made available in advance. All currently purchased admissions will be honored and updated registration emails will be sent out prior to the convention. If you have an already purchased admission and cannot attend these new dates, please contact registration at AnimeNorth.com for a rollover or refund. Information about registering as a vendor, whether in the Vendors Hall, Comics Market, Crafters Corner, etc., will also be updated in February. You can also join us online May 28th, 2022 for another streaming event. Details to be released. We believe that this date change will be much in the convention favor and allow us to bring back the Anime North experience as all after a long enforced break. We look forward to seeing you at the convention this year in July. In 2020, I remember they tried to do Wait, wait, was it uh 2020 or was it last year it when was they last t- year 2021 and then that was cancelled and then they had the online edition right that's how it ended up going
1: correct and i think this weekend is probably similar to what we heard about last year because i think this is the only other weekend that would have been available for the convention center the hotels and anime north and it gives them breathing room for all of them and i think they said everyone's on board with this change because it just makes sense in this climate because they don't know how this is all going to shake out right so maybe we shouldn't have been too surprised especially
0: with how this current the omicron wave is going and we get it there there's a lot of numbers frankly there's been deaths but There's a sense of been there, done bad. What is the feeling around this uh, table right now as this announcement settled in? Because you guys, as members of various organizing branches within AN, got wind of this, I'm sure, before much of the general public did. Is there a thought uh, around around the table?
2: I think it's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it happens,
3: it happens, man.
2: The capacity Games. cap is for the best too.
1: And not everyone will be able to make probably uh, the mid-July date, as they said, and stuff like that. And it's been a while, so it's like I'm sure if some people if they want to come, uh, they're going to try to make it out, but. Things change over two years for staff and for uh, people uh, attending the conventions too, right? Because people's lives uh, change and they go to different events or gravitate to different things. So hopefully that'll help them too. But I still think whatever the cap's going to be, 50%, I think that would be the smartest thing to just keep in place so that they can have the distancing and make everyone feel safe. And they'll probably still hit that no problem, I figure it'll be it'll be
0: tested i think for reference just and yes we are rolling this as part of a covid update the province is set to do a careful reopening again beginning on january 31st so places that had been shut down will be allowed to reopen at 50% capacity large scale sports venues casinos gyms restaurants
1: Movie
0: theaters, movie theaters. Yes, Mo. I know you'd be paying attention to that one.
1: I don't know if he's going to be running to the movie theaters, but <laughs> no, well, okay. What's we'll the over under on that, Mo?
3: I mean, I'm pretty sure something will be up, but I mean, yeah, we'll. we'll it's it's like I feel like it's it might be too soon with the reopenings. Like I feel like we're all gearing up, and then like bam, something else is going to happen, and we have to shut down again. I, mean, I feel like we might be going a little too fast, guys. You think you think it could be that again? I mean, I don't know, man. We've been on this roller coaster ride for a while now. I mean, you never know. Yes, we have,
0: yes, we different,
1: have. Different provinces have been uh, cautiously uh, watching each other. I know others are taking the more cautious approach. And so there's no right mm-hmm. or wrong answers, right? It's just yeah, got to go you, with the you, flow. You
0: understand? We've been th- through this for almost two years now. For reference, this episode, and I know we don't number the episodes in the introduction anymore, but this is episode 60 of the version two era. For reference, this, the pandemic series of episodes, we started all the way back, I believe it was episode 18 or 19. So in the pandemic series, we have done 40 plus official episodes and a handful of other tapings to go with it. That's how much uh, we've put out on this podcast over the last almost two years. Yeah, I I guess uh, that's where the whole battle hardened and been there, done that feeling kind of starts to settle in. And when I say same song and dance in relation to reading out the Anime North news, this is not meant as a shot to anime north or anybody, any person. Yeah, we're tired of this. And this is sort of routine as well. But you know, there there, there's a you know what to do type attitude here too. And we or rather, you know what to expect, which is still the unexpected
4: at this stage. I feel like the, the date choice was, you know, smart for a lot of reasons. Like it, um, I believe by that point in the, the year, unless there's another sort of surprise, uh, you know, variant based off of, you know, what we saw last year and based off of, um, other, um, you know, similar infectious, um, you know, pandemics and epidemics and things like that, um, I feel that things will probably be better in July again unless there is another you know sudden variant which is a possibility but you know I'm I'm willing to stay hopeful there that you know there won't be another you know new one um I am you know I as hopefully I've mentioned on this podcast before like I adore anime north like it it is my christmas um you know highlight of my year um slightly frustrated because this is about the third event who has um rescheduled for pretty much that weekend at least personally um you know they're not major events just things um other you know gatherings and and events that you know I, I was going to attend in december to march and now you know three of them are in the same weekend um but you know not much can be done there i'll have to navigate uh, my own heart um but i think that the the biggest um change for me regarding it happening in the middle of July is as someone who has uh done cosplay every year of it's at least since my second or third year going at Anime North, it kind of to me, I mean I people cosplay in warmer climates than Toronto. Um, but Anime North has been end of May, which is fairly different temperature-wise than the middle of July. So I'm imagining we're going to see less fursuits, um, less mascot costumes, less bulky armor, um, and, and more, you know, I guess what you would call standard cosplay or, you know, less, um, cosplay that won't have people overheat. Um, I am also hopeful that, um, again, this is purely personal, uh, that, uh, Splatoon 3 will release sometime, uh, giving me enough time to see if there's any costumes from that um, that I might want to do, <laughs> oh, because man. I don't have <laughs> any <many laughs> ideas other than that. Two
1: group shoot a few years ago, and I stumbled onto that one. That was a great group shoot. I uh, Splatoon 2. Oh, man.
4: Yeah, was, I was probably there. Um, I, I saw you filming in one of those <laughs> shoots anyways, or photo, photographing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, I just said back to our Splatoon Discord.
4: I, I distinctly remember you. I don't know if you recognize me, but I distinctly remember you because the the prop I built was an Aerospray, Um and you made a comment because I, I guess that uh, weapon was uh, very popular in the the meta at the time. I play very casually, uh, um, but yeah, I don't so... think it's
1: exa- it was popular. I think with the casual folks, uh, <laughs> but I, I would say I'm not uh, playing. Uh... At a level that the people that play all the time, they, those guys can do things that just boggle the mind. So it'll be interesting to see how the third game turns out, and hopefully it'll come out this year. And as you said, if it comes out before, that'll be a fun, fun summer game and a fun thing to cosplay as too for the summer. If you do something like that,
4: yeah. So I'm hoping if it comes out in May or June, it gives me a month, um, you know, to to figure out something. But uh, yeah, I think that would be. Interesting. I, I do. I am curious how the, the temperature is going to change things. That uh, little creek is going to maybe be harder to jump over with uh, a little bit more plant growth.
1: Oh, that's, it's, that's the yeah. other thing in the announcement uh, that we kind of missed. And I remember, I thought it was mentioned somewhere when they were letting other people know, uh, maybe just a tiny bit before they made this announcement, is warmer weather. So that will hopefully give them the ability to put if fingers crossed on the weather because mother nature can be unpredictable but they can use those spots where they had raves and other things and maybe turn them into other sites for other events to allow distancing in other places and stuff like that so it opens up a lot of things for them if the weather is good for outdoor events
0: the weather is i know re- just a casual read of the comments was some of the reaction on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) And not all of it was positive. Too
1: hot, they were thinking for something.
0: Yeah. And and then one person just reminded
1: them, well, it's either this or not at all. I was thinking it's this or you could be in Japan, and I hear it's even worse there sometimes for summer.
2: (laughs) I don't know. People go to Fan Expo in late August, early September, and it's usually pretty hot then too, so I don't see what the difference is. I
1: think well, last year it was, I don't think last year it actually was as hot, but it, there were more rainy days I felt last year during the summer, but it wasn't as hot. It was a little more cool, but you never know, right? You know,
2: it always depends, right? Like every year you get different results when it comes to the weather. It's going to be in roughly that same range. I don't, I feel like, I don't think it's something you can really complain about. Well, it is, but I think the date change is a little more justifiable when it comes to a complaint. But like, like we said, like it's either this or you don't get an event. And personally, I don't know if I'll go because it's really going to depend on how the pandemic situation will be like. And I say this as a person who, like likes to go every year for my own reasons. Like I, I, you know, I like to sell at Nomenoichi. I like to attend panels. I like to catch up with friends that I see once a year at these events.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. The, the, there's a truth with that last
2: one. So then yeah. it's just, you know, it's, I probably won't be deciding until much closer to the date is what I'm thinking.
0: Although at that point, It may not be an option if there's an attendance cap.
1: Well, there's always ways around it. Oh, yeah.
2: As a person who shouldn't be saying this because, (laughs) you know, we're the official podcast of Anime North, you can can go to the con and not have a badge. You just can't go to certain parts of the con. Basically inside. You can't go into the main convention hall.
0: Yes, but you can walk through the hotel. Yeah. You just can't get into the uh, ballrooms.
1: They probably know, might check this? a few things on the own side more this year if they're going to move some events outside too. So I, guess I wouldn't time be surprised. Will tell, but, but some people, we'll see how it is, because I'm sure some people will be of the same thought process, right, Kevin? So you never really know until we see how oh, the tickets go and how many people accept the
0: rollovers. <laughs> I, I always like to say if you're thinking it, everybody else is thinking it.
4: Moving the convention to July also, I mean, I know that right now it seems um, pretty likely there'll be an attendance cap, but um, I think pushing it to to July gives more chance for that attendance cap to be loosened um, in some ways, because I imagine a lot of the the vendors are not going to be happy with 50% attendance because that's 50% less customers um and for some of them like um you know it may not be worth it like i despite kind of being the the area of anime north i'm a part of i don't really know how much you know these these cost i mean i have access to the, that information but i don't particularly care to be honest right now well i'm sure i'm sure that line i'm
0: sure that line just as much applies to the restaurants yeah i dotting dixon in
1: an airport as well and trying to distance all those people and those type of places, whether it's restaurants or even the dealer's room. And we heard other conventions that had in person like Oticon. And it, some people said it felt like they didn't do enough to distance in places like the uh, dealer's room and stuff like that. Like it was almost like normal. So and it's I it's think... going to be a tough question to answer, especially for both sides. Even the dealers, I think, would want to know how that would work.
4: Exactly. And I don't think... Um... I don't think we have those answers yet. And sadly, I don't think we'll have them in time. I think that a lot of people, whether attendees or uh, dealers or other types of exhibitors, um, volunteers and staff even, I think, you know, we're all going to have to make the decision based off of the information we have right now, which is, you know, weekend of July 15th. 50% Fifty percent capacity, masks, vaccinations, all that. Even if there's a possibility, um, and hopefully a probability, I don't want to completely go that route, but um, that things will be loosened at least somewhat by July. Um, so it, it becomes this probably a gamble for a lot of people, um, which is
3: interesting. Yeah, think um, of it as uh, think of it as crypto. <laughs>
0: Tiger! <laughs> oh, okay,
3: okay. <sighs> we'll get to that later, though.
0: Mo, is there anything else you want to add? You had your hand up. Yeah, no, or- I was
3: just going to add on what Jeff said. I mean, let's think a bit on the bright side, man. I mean, right now, it's 50% capacity, right? So if you're a vendor and you're thinking to yourself, man, let's have the customers. But at the same time, come July, if all restrictions are done, if, like, we're truly out of this pandemic... And we can, like, bump it up to 100%. I mean, that's ha- half the vendors, I'm assuming. They're not going to have the same amount of vendors. <laughs> so it's like, you know, t- you're basically doubling your your audience at that point.
4: <laughs> and these people are going to be excited to be at a convention and likely more likely to purchase things. And to have, like, mm-hmm. even a, a exactly. simple memento
3: Cryptocurrency.
2: of... Yeah, and that, that's that is completely, too. completely yeah. irrelevant. Sorry. <laughs> not not the crypto thing, but that's it's what I'm thinking I too, so that, <laughs> <laughs> that uh the people that are going to be attending are more likely to spend money is I think that's a good predictor. It's a good prediction.
1: And a lot of those vendors, like they've been through a lot, as we said, some setting up their online shops and it takes a lot of different skill sets to find those customers and get those sales in one area than the other. So this will be something where they said, I want to actually go and engage with my customers and I'm likely to make more sales of what I want. You know what I mean? In that one weekend,
0: even if it's 50%. And maybe, and and as always, set yourself up later on.
1: Okay. And you never know, you can do your marketing too and say, hey, come to my website and stuff like that that you had already set up and stuff like that. So it's another opportunity, right? That's what I was
0: thinking. For on a personal level, and I guess my own take on this before we move on, and I think we've said enough already, but and for sure we'll say more on Anime North before, like in the months ahead, especially as uh, we start to learn a few more details about what could ha- happen there. On a personal level, I'm actually okay with it, mainly because I found out this week one of my cousins intends to get married officially now on May 28th I was told to save the date during the Christmas holidays by my uncle but now um, he now my cousin did send out a message to his uh, extended family to officially save the date so maybe this uh, this might not be a bad thing on a personal level and maybe in the grand scheme and it's something to think about. And the worst case scenario is on the twenty eighth. Regardless, you'll hear from Anime North, even if it is online. I guess. I guess we won't be able to do a podcast, will we? I, if I'm at a wedding, not with that it's attitude. What you can get done <laughs> at a wedding, Mike. Don't worry, no, Mike. Who knows? I mean, as I said, the as we as we've constantly talked about over the last twenty minutes can't predict it we can't predict any part
1: of this so it's like uh the one article you were talking about with us uh last week that we'll probably get to uh, another time about predictions you never know where they're gonna shake out right
0: right okay so let's get down to the uh to the more major stuff that happened this week now now james was referring to the project anime article we a year ago we did talk about their predictions, and they did do a 2022 version of their of their predictions for the anime and manga industry. Okay. And I know we'll talk in some form about that, but obviously there's like there's another big story that happened earlier this week. Where how do you want to start this confer this uh, conversation, James? Where do you want to start this conversation? Yeah. Do we? Um, well, it was not- interesting
1: just to end off just quickly on what you said that we'll talk about later, maybe about the project anime is they had some interesting things that kind of drive in these other stories. And it's interesting. They talk about, uh, one of the analysts talk about audio novels and stuff like that. And we've talked about that and we're talking about cinema. The other thing is, uh, China. And that was interesting because you think about Tencent buying up certain, uh, video game publishers and stuff like that. But some of it kind of makes more sense now because China has put the gears back on uh, anime and video game and other things coming into their country. So to survive, some of these companies need to look outside and look globally to get content to earn money and stuff like that. And it's an interesting thing to see how that'll continue this year. But there was another, as you said, uh, big consolidation in the video game industry uh, no one uh, quite expected, and I guess in 90s jargon, Mike, I think I can tell you something about uh, this console generation. That is, we're on the losing side. Your PS5 that you supposedly bought has no value. I would take that out to your balcony now and just throw it into the snowdrift.
3: drift. No, just, just leave it out there, man. No one's okay. going to take it, Mo. They're useless.
1: All the scalpers, they lost. They lost. It's all Xbox.
0: Microsoft on Tuesday announced their intention to purchase Activision Blizzard for,
1: according to. $68.7 billion. Yes. Cash. Mm-hmm. And and they just, they just had that cash right just somewhere. Somewhere you know, let, in a let, let,
3: Let's not forget it's Microsoft. They're like a tr- 3 four, ten dollars company with well, an unlimited from, amount of money. So from it's what like.
4: I've from what I've heard, it was significant even for Microsoft. I think, uh, you know, as far as let's call it their war chest, I think it was about half, like from what I, and I think this was, it might've been a IGN their podcast, other... but yeah, I think it, it, it was significant. It wasn't just, we have this huge, Microsoft is the biggest ever. It was nothing to them. I, you know, this is going to be a
1: risk. This is a big play for all of uh, Microsoft, as you said. In- You look at their other acquisitions, and even Sony, and even Nintendo, because they've all been doing acquisitions over the past couple of years. They were studios that they had been working for them on uh, exclusive games or things like that, so they were already in the ecosystem and just bought them to bring them on and stuff like that. The one outlier, of course, was ZeniMax with Bethesda and stuff like that, which is closed for uh, Microsoft, but now you add this on, and it's just another stratosphere but even if you look at other acquisitions for microsoft over the last decade you looked at linkedin you look at the other ones they try to do like discord and so on and so forth like this it's still great, dwarfs all great. of them it's ridiculous to think that no one would have thought a video game acquisition would have dwarfed those type of deals right yeah
0: Okay, which angle? Where, which angles do you want to start with on this? On this story, do you um, want to talk about the risk? Do you want to? I think it's where it
1: uh, came from because I think uh, it wasn't like they were probably talking for a long time because I figure it would have leaked out. I think that, like a lot of people have been saying, it came to- together relatively quickly with the troubles at Blizzard and Activision for that company and for Bobby Kotick and stuff like that. I think there was blood in the water. I think, as we said, the value was going down. It obviously didn't go down that much. God only knows how much they would be valued if they were actually somewhat competent. But that that basically gave them an edge to say, hey, we'll make this deal. And then I don't think Bobby Kotick had enough cachet with his board of directors, even though they quote-unquote had his support, and remember Activision was kind of his baby and stuff like that, that basically they were saying, okay, we should take this deal for the shareholders and so on and so forth. And as we said, uh, depends on if this goes through, likely probably will go through the FTC and all the regulatory uh, process, I figure, just like we've seen before. But I'd say uh, for some people, yes, Bobby Kotick, his days will be uh, numbered once, They become a part of Microsoft, and uh, they uh, appoint... Well, we already know who they're going to appoint. I should remember his name, and it's terrible. I forget his name.
0: What? Phil Spencer?
1: Are we talking Phil Spencer here? Phil Spencer, yeah. Phil Spencer will take over as CEO and stuff like that. But the unfortunate thing is... Bobby Kotick won't have his comeuppance. He's going to get his golden parachute. and I, I was, guess he's I was gonna just go and going make, to ask. He's um, going to go and make money ball too with Brad Pitt, I guess, after he's done on his yacht or something.
4: I was just going to ask what carrot you think his golden parachute was going to be. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
4: yeah, it's a carrot
3: size.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Um, well, let's roll back that thought for a couple of seconds, because you can start to s- connect some of the dots in some of what Microsoft publicly said about the whole Activision Blizzard situation, or more specifically, what s- Phil Spencer said, he was he expressed concern but wouldn't throw Kotek under the bus.
1: And that's and, because yeah. they're still in the acquisition page. They, they, you they know, know they what mean? I mean?
0: Like they, they can't basically make them basically butter them up, and plus maybe make yeah would we'll just it would just
1: look weird wouldn't it at 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 least weird and the other thing is all of the stuff about exit packages and stuff like that is all public knowledge so it's he's gonna get something regardless so Mm -hmm. they have to pay the man unfortunately whether you like it or not and it's Go ahead. i was just thinking it's like with um the efforts and that of the different studios, I'm not saying Microsoft is going to be the saving angel and stuff like that, but I think hopefully those employees at a lot of the studios will be in a better place. The other thing, is, many people said, is a lot of these studios hopefully will stop be- being sent to the COD uh, salt mines, as they say, like Games for <laughs> Bob and stuff like that, after they oh, wow. tried to do... Uh, Crash Bandicoot and some other things in other studios. And hopefully they'll be able to spread their wings to uh, different projects because Microsoft has allowed some of their studios like, to do different things. They've allowed Rare to, even though it isn't the Rare we grew up and loved, they let them do what they want to do. They let them to continue on to do Sea of Thieves, even though it wasn't doing the greatest after launch. And now they're at 25 million players. So they're going to allow those teams maybe to try different things and let them grow their projects and their passions and maybe hopefully stop doing COD every single year. Like maybe make it something a little more special and use that tech in other ways across their brands.
0: Okay, so you mentioned COD. You mentioned... Oh, and okay, I I do want to roll back one other thing um, in the whole, you know... Or whatever bargaining power or the value, and possibly going, why Microsoft? Because they did ask, apparently Kotick did ask, at least Meta, and there didn't, and there didn't seem to be any interest in anybody else. Okay, so since you brought up COD, possibility of IPs, of the most popular IPs that are on multi-platforms, possibility that they become exclusive to Xbox, and
1: PC away I've, from. I think we've seen that they're going to keep them. If they see the value in keeping them multi platform, that's the benefit of them going to Microsoft because we saw it with Minecraft because Minecraft is still everywhere and Microsoft is happy with that and they're still making their money, right? I still, yeah, I'm of the belief it could be a case by case, but they're dissenting. And even COD, the, the change might be. PlayStation, like once that one contract lapses, they'll allow Microsoft to actually get the DLC day and day at the same time. Because remember, uh, PlayStation had the exclusivity that they would get the DLC first or something to that effect.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But isn't this mutually assured destruction between Microsoft and Sony if they start this exclusive bullshit? How so? I mean, there's exclusive Sony titles They can be like, are no longer allowed on Xboxes and vice versa. That's how it already is, though. Yeah, I and mean, I mean, like more exclusive, you know. Because then, you know, Sony will buy something else, and they'll buy something else, and then it's just that arms race to see who can own every I guess studio down. There's nothing yeah, left for Sony true. to buy. <laughs> I mean,
2: <laughs> I, I
1: wonder. It depends. Sorry, well, sorry,
2: Sony's already been doing that because they've been buying studios up too. Like, they like and a initially them
1: were once. Yeah, initially Naughty Dog.
2: Like, Naughty Dog was a third party studio at one point, but then Sony ended up just buying them out.
1: I was thinking more recent ones like Bluepoint and stuff like that, mm-hmm. too. Dan, so.
2: What did Bluepoint a- make?
1: Oh, they were the uh, remaster studios doing a lot of remasters for PlayStation. 5 oh, I see. Some of their older games and that. And they did. I think Bluepoint was the one, or is another one they bought up that did the Dark Souls uh, remake for PS5. Okay. But. I will say on exclusivity, we better put a quick caveat on that one. And that is that is changed now because both Sony and Microsoft, as well as releasing on their home consoles, they've also been doing PC as well. And Microsoft has been moving away from just saying we want you on the Xbox and stuff like that. They're looking at the bigger picture with their Xbox Game Pass and at other devices and stuff like that. So they're playing a whole different kettle of fish. It's funny, the old exclusive argument we make, the only one I can think of now in that pawn now is Nintendo with their games. If you want to play a Nintendo game, a Mario, a Zelda, a Splatoon, whatever, you gotta to go to them.
0: I well, I I'm sort of in agreement here. It's because there's this argument that 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 console exclusivity is becoming a bit passe, especially when you start to think that companies do not make the money off of the consoles, off the hardware. It's it's the software that's been a thought for at least a decade, probably further, at least since uh, the PS3 era, or at least in my mind when 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 it, when I realized that concept or when it really started to stick out to me. So I think uh, I could believe the idea that when it comes to what Microsoft will do, it'll always come down to what's best for business, what will make them the more, the most, most money or most recognition.
1: And I think it's a long game play for uh, Games Pass because they have all the cafe now and they want to be the front runner, kind of the Netflix of games, so to speak, and they want those guys on their team, and this was the best time to strike when Activision Blizzard was at their weakest. Mm -hmm. Spencer, for his
0: part, has done a couple of interviews, and remember, over the last couple of years, there's been a healthy public show of respect between Sony and Microsoft for their spaces in the video game industry.
1: And Nintendo as well. I know that Spencer and them have worked uh, getting things onto the switch as well, things like that. Yeah, banjo kazooie uh, just this week. There's there is a healthy respect, and Spencer,
0: for his part, has always said they will they will do what's right for the industry. He's not, and I think in a in a Wall Street Journal interview this week, just after the a- announcement, he seemed to voice his concern about letting other names like the Google, like the Metas, etc like the Netflixes, really start to get into the game space because that's not their core. That's not what they're about. They're about other things. And I, I. it doesn't sound like he thinks much of them in terms of the way they would get into games because I guess to him, they don't get it. Sony gets it. Nintendo gets it. They're, because that's increasingly their core stuff.
1: I guess Alphabet and Google is... Already been answered to a degree, Mike, because they tried to come in, come in uh, trumpets blazing, on I mean, Stadia, right? and we yeah. saw how that all kind of turned out. It didn't quite turn out like they hoped, and who knows whether that's a lesson for Amazon, Netflix, and others. But and Apple, it's not as too. simple, yeah, and Apple. But Apple Arcade supposedly has been making headway and stuff like that. And we know a lot of people, unlike ourselves, which are probably thought of as older and physical media games on a CD and things like that. And there's a lot of people on the mobile devices still. And even that's where a lot of them are in China. And we may not look at gotcha games and all those other type of things as a game, but they do have a lot of eyeballs on them and people still play them. And I guess they still make enough money that they still are a thing to be reckoned with in certain markets. Don't you feel old James? Well. I hate to tell you, it was funny too. Did you guys see the um announcement, of course, the tweet from both uh, Xbox and Activision Blizzard? They had the same reel of games, like picture of games across where it had like the Xbox plus Activision Blizzard King. And it kind of tells you about which series are most important. And so they only had one from King and one from Activision. So Call of Duty was Activision. Candy Crush was king, and then the other four were all Blizzard. It was Overwatch, Diablo, Warcraft, and StarCraft. That definitely tells you what they're looking at in value, too.
4: Well, that's also because Blizzard is the closest thing that, you know, that entire mega company has to having anything iconic. Like, um, I know this has been said multiple times, but like, or I'm sure it has, but you know Nintendo is the one who has mascots and recognizable IPs like Call of Duty is wildly popular but there's no Mr. Call of Duty man that they could have crammed into Smash Brothers versus you know there's no there's
0: no, ma- there no Master Chief yeah
4: there. exactly like you can mm-hmm. put Tracer or um, what's his name Thrall or whatever Warcraft you know person you want um, you could pull from from Starcraft if you wanted or even you know Lost Vikings or whatever like blizzard has things um so of course they're gonna use um blizzard there although i guess now they could technically use crash bandicoot and spyro but um you know those are i guess dead ips
1: and the good thing Ah, is we said is they can actually take chances and they'll maybe have more leeway to make those games compared to what they had before instead of being sent to make the big game and stuff like that because it's not like you fail at sign. They send you to the Halo salt mines or whatever.
0: <laughs> let's be careful about let's. To your point, to your point uh, about uh, dead IPs. Bill Spencer, in talking with Washington Post, talks about bringing back some some of the dead IPs. Guitar Hero, he mentioned, which is uh, which I didn't know was in there. I forgot was in there. So crash. Spyro could uh, make a comeback. Oh, God. Could Pitfall come in? There's a name I wonder if you guys recognize.
1: Yeah, no, I was thinking, because remember, there were tons of PC games from the '90s from Activision, that have just been mothballed for so long, and they're just begging for something to be done with them. What are you going to do do with Pitfall? How do you make that into 2022
3: Cool game. Man, uh, jump over I, 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 I will I, I will yeah. tell you how. It's three special it's letters. Gonna be oh, <laughs> Son of <laughs> Shut up.
1: <Ahmed>. <laughs> next, <laughs> next year if Sega can make the Sonic open world game, then hell, they can do something with pitfall. So it's just gonna be uncharted yeah, and, and, then. And that been, yeah, and that might have been one of the, that might have been one
0: of Activision's early IPs, right? And and at least it was big enough that they made a Saturday morning cartoon out of it in the 80s. You know, but no,
1: that was a big game for a while. Before, like a few hours, you think of Prince of Persia and then Ubisoft brought it back, remember? So you could do things with them. It'll just be a different feel, right?
2: You know, Kevin, it's funny how Spyro and Crash Bandicoot used to be Sony IP and now they've gone to the other side. Well, we can say that about a lot of rare IPs, too. Oh, yeah, uh, Nintendo does Microsoft, yeah. It was a weird thing, because
1: remember, it was Vivendi Universal. That was with Naughty Dog, because they were on their lot doing the first three Crash games and those things. And then they had the deal with Sony for exclusivity. And then once that lapsed, and of course, Naughty Dog was bought by Sony and stuff like that, they were still with of any universal so it, it that's when i guess they decided they found the success and said hey we should do it more with other companies as well you know what i mean that's what yeah i always wondered
2: i always wondered if it if that was like i i thought naughty Dog sold the ip for those
1: no no they they, they might have had some like piece of the ip possibly but if they did maybe some of it reverted back to uh, Universal uh, Vivendi and they might have got some money back or something to that effect, you know what I mean?
2: Mm, So that's what it was, interesting.
1: But it was a different kettle of fish compared to, say, uh, Rare and Nintendo, where Rare helped Nintendo through that N64 era with those iconic games. And then uh, the Stamper brothers, I think they wanted it out and they thought they were actually going to go and put nintendo against other companies like uh, microsoft and stuff like that and nintendo unlike with next level games where they bought them out this year they decided they didn't want to uh buy out the stamper brothers and let microsoft buy out their shares and nintendo shares for rare and then uh, all became uh, history and they've done some good things after that it's like see if the thieves isn't my cup of tea but i know people have enjoyed it where rare is now but it's a different rare but they did celebrate their history and had that one rare collection where it looked at their full history. And I hope they do something like that, maybe with Activision, and some of those others, because that what, would rare be a replay. Great... Yeah, rare replay, something like that, maybe. Hopefully, would be something nice to see out of this deal too later on. But who knows? Hmm.
2: Wait, doesn't okay. Rare Replay have Conker's Bad Fur
1: Day on it? Correct, the N sixty four version, might I add. Which is supposedly the least censored version compared to the Xbox version, which is
2: hilarious. You know, I. Rare Replay was one of the few reasons why I would have considered buying an Xbox because I remember wanting to play Conqueror's Bad Friday for so long, only because I remember Conker's Pocket Tales for the Game Boy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Conquer's Bad Friday came out, and then like 10 year old me was just so shocked at the. At why this like cute little squirrel game just suddenly became so dirty?
1: I I loved playing that like because I was older, so I got to play and stuff like that. But it wasn't just about the irrelevant uh, humor and stuff like that. But they needed something different. I know Chris uh, Seaver and stuff like that that voiced Conquer and helped create the game. They had to make it different from Banjo Kazooie, so they tossed out the cutie stuff and. They went with a hard edge. But the other thing was they had the British humor. And even in the other games, they had that difference-making in their characters and that Britishness that you don't normally see. And it always put a smile on my face because not everyone could get it. And somehow it still worked in North America and stuff like that. I'm not sure if people got it, but it was fun to play and watch. Okay. But the the last uh, point, thinking about... uh, this is one that i know you wanted to say mike and that was esports i think this is going to be a big boost because remember they were down in the dumps with where they were for the scandals and things like that and sponsors stepping away and i think they're going to have second thoughts because i think microsoft will give them a big boost uh for esports as we've talked about before
0: yeah i didn't i it, it, it's an intriguing part, and not one I've really thought of. And maybe we can talk. People, there's others that I'm sure will address that. And I wish we could really talk to in the near future. I guess we'll just have to send out the invites to, to talk about that angle. And but yeah, probably, it's, and they
1: probably have the relationships too. Microsoft with different sports leagues, the right people, you know. What I mean, to make it even bigger, whatever bigger means for esports. Or to try to reach them in the way they think they can reach that generation, right? Because it's a different kettle of fish compared to a traditional sports fan, as you said, right? Well, the thing is, partly that, but remember what
0: Activision Blizzard tried with uh, with, uh, Call of Duty League and Overwatch League. They tried to turn esports away from the golf tour styles but I know uh, that's probably not the best analogy to look but into a more traditional sports league like uh, with a regular season and playoffs and in many respects some of that culture is is going in is going into traditional sports now with the NBA thinking about mid-season tournaments and, and them experimenting with um uh, end of season play in before the playoffs so So there's a part of me wondering, okay, what part, could there be a change coming to that model to go back to something a little bit more traditional for eSports? Or will they try and maintain this league format? But having said all of that, it, it starts to make me think about the bigger picture of this deal and a reminder of the risk Microsoft is taking. BN Bloomberg, um, the Bloomberg, Bloomberg Canada website, put up a, an opinion piece by Take him talking about some of that risk. And yeah, while we're talking about IPs that are massive, lately they've struggled. The latest call of duty hasn't done well. Overwatch 2 is in purgatory, although they'll use a they'll use a what is it not really a beta, but they'll use an early release version overwatch league in the coming year not one that everyone else will get to use and not one that really the pros can extensively like level up on and really you really practice on and the list goes on and on and that's before we get to the sexual harassment
1: scandals and that's why they got the discount too you don't you think that's a discount yeah, this is a discount. Like, I think there was some value shaved off, and that's why I think they did the quick strike. Because so you, you thought we could have gone this north was, of the this I think this was opportunism. I also think it is well, the it, fact that they're trying to use this for Game Pass. I think this is the play, just like with Bethesda, that they're trying to to grow uh, for Game Pass and get certain IPs. And then because they see the future in this metaverse and in this multi-pronged device through the Game Pass and that they're talking about users. While Nintendo and Sony and all that, they're talking about units sold. Microsoft has just given up on that and said, we're talking about our users and our subscriptions and so on and so forth. They've been moving to more Netflix on the game side.
0: And in turn, the community... And their stake in the metaverse, right? Is that what you're getting at?
1: Yeah, that's uh, where it seems they're going and stuff like that and where Phil Spencer has set them up uh, to a degree. The other question is going to be that Bethesda had their own tech guys and stuff like that. Supposedly, remember Activision Blizzard, especially on the Call of Duty, they had some really good tech. A lot of us didn't play those games and stuff like that, and general public, they were still eating them up to a degree, but there was a lot of tech behind those games that a lot of other game devs would die for and stuff like that. And so now they're going to have to decide okay, what engines are they going to unify them into one engine for all their engineers and stuff like that? are we still going to have all these different engines and stuff like that? Because it's not like the others where it's like, okay, are we going to unity or are we going to unreal? Right. So that'll be Mm -hmm. interesting too, to see how they get all those cogs to fit, because it's not an easy answer. They have like a labyrinth now of studios.
0: Yeah. So, wow. I'm kind of, there's a lot, as I said, this is just a few of the angles I think we can end up talking more about this in the future, too. Jeff, give me a thought, and then I want to not necessarily move away, but I want to save a few more, uh, some final thoughts, too.
4: um, Yeah, so, like, first, I feel that, um, you know, calling what happened with Activision Activision Blizzard a sexual assault scandal, there's so much more than that. There's various forms of misogyny and toxic workplace environment crunch, all that kind of stuff, so. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I. Yes. You know, so there's, there's all they had there. every single okay, thing you could think that.
1: of that you don't want in a company, and they had every single one. And, and, and it's going to be clear, tough yeah. to clean that scum off that company, to be honest. I don't and, think uh, Microsoft will be able to get rid of the stink, to be honest. And,
0: and to be clear, when I said those words, I wasn't referring to it as an isolated thing. It had been well-known, well-documented. This had been long running issues. This had been a culture. Go ahead. Uh, anything yeah. else, Jeff?
4: Uh, yeah, I think that you know it's interesting. I can absolutely recognize. You know, this is the biggest sale of a company in the history of video video games. Um, it will have huge ramifications. Um, you know, as long as everything goes through, on the gaming landscape. But I also feel that this is the company I am least likely to purchase a console of, purchasing the company I am least likely to play a game from. Um, I had a look at the entire Activision Blizzard back catalog, and the most recent uh, game from that company I have played is 2010's Transformers War for Cybertron. Um, (laughs) Oh, you didn't even do, like, the Blizzard
1: (laughs) arcade uh, collection they had uh, last year or whatever, which had Lost Vikings and Rock and Roll Racing?
4: (laughs) The last Blizzard game I played was Warcraft 3, whatever the first expansion pass was, or expansion pack. Um, I think that, you know, this... Again, I know how, how big this is sort of intellectually and because I follow the news, but, you know, I have been a Nintendo Sega person. Um, I have you know I currently own a switch I have two very underpowered computers that help me play indie games that come out on switch too late or don't come on switch um, or I can get for free thanks to epic um, so like the the types of games I'm interested in they're they're not going to be exclusive to xbox so like this is a huge purchase it it it's, I find it interesting that it, aside from the, like, ripple effects, maybe, and that's a huge maybe, this will mean nothing to me. This will not affect Zelda or Splatoon or Dongunropa or if they make another Celeste or Undertale, Deltarune. Um, and, and I'm not, and I'm, I guess I'm saying that a little bit because, um, I, I guess to, to bring it back to Japan. Um, but, and and kind of not like Deltarune's American made, but um, I, I guess there, there's some indie studios buried in Activision that I guess maybe I might be interested in. And certainly within Microsoft, um, they've bought um, indie studios that, you know, I'm interested in, but eventually a lot of those are probably going to end up on switch. And a lot of those indie games, my poor underpowered surface pro and Intel nuke can probably handle. Um, So it's it's kind of been interesting to see like the biggest news of the week when it comes to to pop culture. And, and it almost feels to me like, oh, the Toronto Blue Jays bought the Expos license or the NFL junior team. Like it's, it's so alien to me in some (laughs) ways, despite the fact that there's, you know, I, 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 I understand Warcraft. I understand the name Overwatch. I've heard of these things, but you know, Call of Duty, like I, everyone always says COD, and I think of the deep sea fish that is, you know, <laughs> you, know you know, popular. Know,
1: I'm, I'm uh, doing COD doing from actual salt salt mines there, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
4: and it probably tastes really good too. Yeah, so I, I, I just wanted to like bring up that like it's kind of wild to me that this huge thing is happening, um, in you know, I wouldn't call myself like a, a huge gamer, but in a sort of sphere that I I tiptoe in and and you know, exist in to some degree and clearly observe and, 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 and am interested in, but like, this, this probably won't affect me at all. It's, it's very weird
1: to experience that. Yeah. It's interesting mm-hmm. when you say that, Just because That's a lot of us, I think we've gravitated away from those triple A titles that are from, say, for example, Ubisoft and Activision and all that, that they've grown into these things that they make the same game and they've got their certain set of, okay, this is our movement. This is our whatever. But then we can, the good thing about digital with the rise of Indies is a lot of these small teams grew up around the same time as us in the NES, SNES and all that era. And they gobbled up some of those games and they learned those lessons through osmosis. Like we know, How we want things a certain way, and they're able able to bring those games to life. They're able to say, take that technology, and we're not going to use always the limitations. But what we saw in our mind, right, on the screen, they're able to bring that out to us. I think about Shovel Knight and stuff like that. And yes, it wasn't exactly saying that would work on the NES, but it's what you imagined in your childlike mind was going on on that screen. And they had the DNA and the language that we all spoke kind of at that time when we played the Sega and Nintendo games. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and
4: so many indie studios are doing things like that, which I think is great, like, you know, Toby Fox with Undertale and Deltarune, um, you know, taking Earthbound, but then having Bullet Hell as the battle system, I think, is is very creative. And then, you know, everything else that those games, those games do. Um, so I think that's fantastic but yeah even thinking about it like I chose rock band over guitar hero and I would much rather a home guitar freaks that will never happen um, or gita dora as it's now called Um, but yeah like with it is it is so cool with these indie studios and I hope that I mean again I have computers that can probably run a lot of them but I hope that Microsoft doesn't buy all of them
1: Uh. (laughs) I don't think they will but as we know this is the other thing that they talked about that there is worry is that some other uh, companies maybe Sony maybe others are going to be now looking afield and maybe wanting to buy other things and they're like is uh, Japan going to be in the sights is someone going to want to buy a Konami or a Capcom or something like that is Tencent going to be on the lookout too as well it's like even with Konami people could say Well, whatever, but they still have, I think, some value, and who knows, if the right partner came for that one, I hope, but you never know, right? Would they keep on making those games, and would they make the Hudson Soft games is the real question, (laughs) because Konami gobbled up Hudson Soft over a decade and destroyed that IP. They made Bomberman, they made Bomberman R. (laughs) <laughs> there are some great games Well they did make the PC Engine Mini too I, I can't fault them for that it's like... the,
4: okay. the, the one concern That That's I not. heard is that if, if you know that this sort of Has ripple effects for the Japanese companies um, Like I don't play The game but I would feel kind of bad For Nintendo if if Sony Bought Capcom and then Monster Hunter Which is now thriving on Switch um, You know Only PlayStation Um And yeah, I I think that it's going to be interesting to see if there are Japanese company ripple effects, because I don't know if I don't know if they'll react in the same way, Um, because nothing will compare to the purchase of Activision Blizzard. So I, I feel like any purchase that is made is going to be sort of reactionary and not really as really a competition, just sort of posturing
1: and saying, we can buy companies too. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't think we'll ever see a price like sixty-eight point. uh, Was it sixty-eight (laughs) point seven billion dollars again? Let me check that bloody number. Yeah, sixty-eight point seven billion. We're never going to see that number ever again. And remember, it was. Activision, Blizzard, and King. So they had consolidated how many times and done it and then this was like quote unquote I would say the final consolidation. No one could buy that company but Microsoft or a big massive megacorp. corp. It's just boggles the mind. But I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. Plus and, so
3: plus this isn't like a done deal. It's to go through all like F F E C and I, think, oh, I think
1: it'll go through though. Like I think Bethesda Zenimax is the guide i think it'll be a longer tenure like a year or two but i think somehow it's going to get through i hate to say.
0: yeah i know i i
1: i'm pretty sure too but it was funny too like i'd say this caps off because remember uh, phil spencer and them they've been celebrating xbox the past uh, year last year because 20 years right and they've been going through their history and stuff like that. And I guess this kind of caps it off. But the one thing I think about, and they had started talking about that we never heard before, is remember about them trying to buy Nintendo and Bill Gates. And I was like, let's go and uh, enter the video game industry. And one of their things was saying, well, we could either buy Sega or Nintendo or whatever. And supposedly Nintendo of America took that meeting just to laugh at Microsoft executives for trying to buy them. And you think about that because of tail end of the N64 and they were a bit on the downturn, but you never know how these things will turn out, right? Because we uh, raised their sales. They went down with the Wii U and then Switch raised them again. So they're their okay. own ship. And that's something you always need in the uh, video Let's game industry.
2: The- Kevin, do you want to say anything? My opinions are largely similar to Jeff's, like... Like, I played Spyro and Crash Bandicoot and Call of Duty back in high school and in middle school. And in the case of the first two series in elementary school, I don't really play AAA games anymore either, for the most part. Not the the ones that, like, everyone plays. Like, I never really enjoyed playing the sports games. Like, NHL was kind of fun, but largely didn't play those. uh, I played Call of Duty up until I want to say the first Black Ops or maybe Modern Warfare 2. And then that was about it because uh, the crowd that I was hanging out with in university and college largely didn't play those games. Yeah, I'd say it really doesn't affect me all that much either because I'm predominantly a Nintendo person now as well. Like, I was always handheld with Nintendo, and uh, my home console was normally Sony, so I did have a PS3, but then my gaming habits changed. So then I just didn't really play home console stuff anymore until the Switch, which, you know, you can play portably. So, yeah, it doesn't really bother me or affect me all that much it's pretty interesting to see, uh, you know, and Microsoft has been on that buying spree for quite a while now. So I'd say I was a little surprised that they bought such a big company, but also at the same time, not that surprised because of all the events that were going on with Activision Blizzard.
1: But it definitely looks like they're pushing forward, uh... And gaming in ways that I don't think we ever envisioned. And it's going to be harder, I think, to buy a physical game and play it on a a console and stuff like that. It, It feels like we're getting closer to that point. It's like, how many more console generations do we actually think we're going to have now? Because now I feel like we're getting closer to that end game where it's not going to change as much as we think and stuff like that yeah
2: i rue the it's day when it happens
1: and i know that it'll be interesting for those smaller players like limited run and stuff like that how uh it's gonna affect them and other uh companies and i'm sure others are looking at we know gamestop and that have been worried about it for many years now and so it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out for everyone like there's going to be a lot of ripple effects that will affect us it's just we don't know how it's going to happen it's going to be years down the line. It's not going to be immediate. It's like we're talking five, 10 years.
2: I think it will Can still say, take quite a while. Like I still get this prevailing sense that people want to buy physical games. Still, like, yes, you definitely have a core segment of people that will only play digital now, but I still feel like if people want to, if people want a PS five, I see more people lean towards buying uh, on a, a, a one that plays both digital and physical. Hmm. Okay,
0: so can we save a word for a couple minutes for my now worthless PS5? Did
1: why you would finally it throw it into the, uh, the snowbank like I suggested?
2: Mike, well, why do you say worthless? You could easily get your money
1: back if you sell it right now. I, I hate to tell you, Kevin, it crashed. It was like the NFT. Uh... NFTs well, of old, it just crashed on the market. That... All those scalpers, they just lost their shirt. <laughs> on
0: their, on that note, Okay there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but on
0: that note, on that note, Sony's shares dropped, I think, 10% on that news. I don't know if it's recovered over the la- uh, uh, as the rest of the week wore on, but I know the stock markets did take an overall. Yeah, hit. a lot of
2: things <laughs> dropped this week. Yes. Yeah, oh, my
0: so my opinion also, and 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 I and roll this into the whole idea that my uh, that Netflix's stock also bombed twenty percent after um after uh, their subscription outlook
3: in uh, was painted not to be rosy. It, it's actually pretty funny because like they missed it by not that much, but they still missed it, and everyone just like lost their shit over it.
0: Yeah, and this is but this is the. And and this is this may or may not be related to the Microsoft uh, Activision Blizzard news. But people seem to be losing their shit, so to Probably speak. like
1: multiple uh, reasons. It's, a bunch it's bunch just all parts. small parts, and I'm sure that it's was a It's all small parts. parts,
0: but it was fascinating to see all that. As it as it came to a head this week. It's okay. The stock market as you know, it goes
1: up and down. It'll it'll come back it's, up. It's, price, it's, totally it's,
0: yeah, it's just this is the this is the uh, peaks and valleys, the roller coaster ride. Use whatever cliche you buy low, sell high.
2: Yeah, how the world well, that's works. Where we are.
0: So, yeah, but that but I ain't selling that PS five.
4: Good. I think because, that that's that's yeah. I think that that's good, and I I feel that any sign- any changes at all with this Microsoft deal are a year away, possibly two. Um, I think that, you know, any contracts that are in place are going to, you know, be honored. And I think that even past that, I feel that the significant um, changes won't be felt for a while. Um, and I, I feel that the overall sentiment, I think that the, the PS5 is so much like weird momentum. I mean, all the current gen consoles do um i think that i think that it's still going to be relatively popular like i don't again i as i've established no, you, i'm not a sort of, I'm, not, I'm not a cod type and sports game type player you, but i i don't think this is going to completely shatter the console war
0: i don't think well I, and i don't think it's it, we're not it's even going to come close to shattering sony there over the last as the week wore on and the reaction from the Sony end, or at least of uh, fans of Sony. Sony has lost the video game world, of course. I think uh, some of the reaction in Japan felt like the sky was falling. Sony Sony has not hasn't been like Sony's been a player in the video game in the video game world for roughly 30 well, a little over 25 years, right? Like they're 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 not they're not the most established like they've established. Yes, they're they're at the top arguably. Sony obviously Microsoft wants to change that, but Nintendo is Nintendo has decades uh more experience ahead of
1: them. And they've had peaks and valleys as well just like you know, All just, just like all of them <laughs> and stuff like that, but it, it, it's fascinating to me because
0: Remember a couple of, like over the pandemic series we talked about where so what Sony thinking for the future and the established fourth pillar so to speak that's the center of this podcast and the center of our of the universe of our fandom and I'm wondering wondering how this ultimately affects yeah one the video game business for Sony where in what point? But keep in mind, the anime component to all of this is very much tied into it as well, and this is the part of the story that I will be fascinated to watch. Because maybe we we can dismiss it right now and say maybe it won't. Because we're dismissing it, they are dismissing the impact on Sony. Yes, the game yes the game is now afoot for Sony, but they can still play. We can speculate as to okay, well, what will their reactionary move be? There's always been that there had been that long-standing rumor that Sony that Sega is for sale, could have bought and could have been bought by Microsoft sometime last year. I think is that the story is that the story as I remember
1: it. I don't uh, remember yeah. that, but you never know anything is for sale, right? If uh, right, no, they, they it's, don't it's, exactly have for sale signs out on their front lines, unfortunately, so you never know.
0: And and for what it's worth, and for what it's worth, just to to Jeff's point and his uh his thoughts from from earlier. The only property within Microsoft, Activision, Blizzard, Bethesda. Name, uh, uh, rare, etc. That may have any remote interest to me right now. That I can think of, is Deathloop. And that's there on the on the PS5 because of because of the obligations to keep it there. So, as I said, the game's afoot.
1: They definitely still and, have obligations, but they definitely, with Phil Spencer, in that they seem to have left. Uh, Bethesda, Zenimax, ID Soft, and stuff like that, to do their own thing. But it'll be interesting in the long game to see how these things pan out, and it'll probably be the same with this Activision, this uh, acquisition as well for Activision. Yeah,
0: but it's just yeah, it's it's just gotten more competitive. But for some strange reason, I just don't. I feel think it's any... going to be more yeah. on the
1: streaming side, and we'll see. Because I think. They're going to get the contracts in and say they're going to have certain timed exclusivity for their streaming platforms like uh, Game Pass and stuff like that versus what Sony is going to do. Because remember, we talked about Sony and them launching their own thing in the summer and that they talked about PS1, PS2, PS3 and certain things in different tiers, right? So we talked about, well, I think it was a brief mention, but Netflix, their prices went up, right? So I would say prices are going up in gaming if they're going down this route too, and they're going to have some interesting tiers. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what those tiers are for both of them, Microsoft and Sony.
2: Well, the, the, they
0: went up on they at least went up on a lot of physical media this year, this generation. Did they not?
1: Well, with inflation, not really so much. And hey, remember when we were buying cartridges for uh, SNES games and even some NES games? for over $100 Canadian back in the 90s. Touche. And that was before tax. So, Touché. I've seen we've seen worse.
0: But okay, do we what do we save a word now for okay, the other parts that could get affected. The actual movie streaming. We talked about Netflix. Well, Mo, you had a thought on Netflix. Or do you want to share or should we just leave that for now because Boy, that could get that, that gets too tangential from this point. So, well, this, this is obviously this story develop uh, is developing. And as I said, the Sony angle is still fascinating to me. And for what it's worth, the uh, I, I at least opened the box on the PS5 earlier. So the uh, Spider Man so, challenge
1: is off. So, was there a it's PS5 in the box, Mike? That's the question. Otherwise, otherwise
0: Walmart and I will have a big issue.
1: Well, you've heard about Uh, that, right? I would be scared. I would be opening that box to make sure I have what I want in there. You know what I mean? Plenty of uses for bricks. I was thinking rocks. But anyway. (laughs) Okay. Bricks would be too much. But, you
2: know, I feel like when it comes to the whole Sony versus Microsoft thing, like, I think it kind of levels the playing field in a way because I always felt like Sony had the stronger IP when it came between the two companies. Because Sony has Uncharted. Sony has, well, Horizon was exclusive, but not anymore. Uh, Sony... Of us. Like, because Sony really owns kidding. all those studios, right? Like God of War, for example. That's another big Triple A game that's only on the PlayStation because they own the studio.
1: And some of them they're great games, but I'm not sure about you guys, but sometimes it feels samey to me when I see some of those big Sony third party games, right? That are from outside Japan.
2: Sorta. But then there's also those other games where like a lot of those Japanese developer games also more often than not stick to the play, PS5 or or PS5 plus the Switch, and they don't go on the Xbox because you know the Xbox doesn't sell in Japan, or
1: like anime, the they, home country yeah. is the well, first it's, look. Like
0: that's that's the interesting part, and that's still like that that's part of the uh story to me. And the it, anime fan. it
1: comes it's back still, actually, comes Mike. The anime fan too for
0: us. Sorry.
1: Games. I, I was thinking it comes back actually, because when you look at Japan, they don't have what I'd say now is true triple A development. They have some places like Capcom and even some parts of Konami and some other ones that can make some really great games, but it takes a while to get that triple A game out there. A lot of the developers now that we used to love and know, some of them got cobbled up like Hudson Soft, but other ones like Falcom, for example, They're like, I guess, more double A type games, like they're almost in the indie sphere, so to speak. And a lot of them, I don't think they're looking at the PS5 because that's so many more resources to put to a game and stuff like that. And some of them are coming around from making their own engines and stuff like that to looking at Unity and Unreal now, which hopefully will help them out going uh, to those future consoles and stuff like that, because there's so much power and so many things going behind it. But Falcom, which of course started PC, and then once the PSP and that went to Sony exclusive with PSP and now PS4, but their most recent uh, internal project is a remake of uh Tales game, uh, and it's going to be them doing it for Switch, and they're also going to do it for PS4 and stuff like that. But that's a tell if they're going to remake a game for the Switch. I think this is a test run. And because, as we said, Switch is hot uh, in Japan and stuff like that, and it'll help them to actually make games for that and probably whatever the next Switch successor is, because I don't think it'll be as powerful as that PS5 or that Xbox Series X. And well, we they'll, they'll be able to hit the- that market, right? The whole yeah, market. We- and they won't have to spend all that those development resources, because it's intensive now. Like it's crazy and it's
0: interesting, but when you say all of this, it makes it sort of reminds me about the quirk of a Nintendo system. It doesn't have to be the most technologically advanced. It just has to have a certain quirk that's able to hit a lot of a lot of different notes. The power of the game, boy, back then.
2: Case in point of a triple A game that just takes so long to make in Japan. Final Fantasy.
1: Mm-hmm. That's where we are. And look at that remake of 7. How much of that game did you actually get? Something <laughs>
2: like a third of the game?
1: At best. Anyway. Oh. I was going to say that, no, Mike, are we going to talk about... Uh, we might have all our big stories for 2022 all in this one month, but I heard oh. that there was more... This week, about the uh, story of our lives on the internet, i.e., NFTs again. Okay,
0: so we have maybe at most tw- uh, roughly 20 minutes to go, I think. Um, the Project Anime story uh, was still interesting to me, but I, I, we can't possibly go there now, at least this week.
2: So, why not? Let's start talking. Well, because then that's that's another long long talk. Does it really need to be that long? Like, I, I, it'll be old. It's already kind of old news anyway. Okay, so where do you want to go?
0: Well, uh, we'll roll the NFT thought. I, I'm sure into this. What part? What parts of uh, the project anime um, predictions do you want to just cue in on for a couple minutes? Just one thing each around the table.
3: Uh, the cinema thing was pretty cool. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, just like with Anime North, I feel like once things open back up, uh, there's going to be an over-enthusiastic amount of people that would want to see stuff on the big screen. Okay. Uh, Jeff?
0: Jeff? Kevin? You want to offer a thought that I grabbed your attention in reading that article?
4: If you did. I guess the the main thought I have is is how similar it seemed to last year, like and how nothing really did jump out really loudly Um, there were some interesting you know points brought up but you know especially when it comes to like you know what I've repeatedly been interested in and with that being um, you know multi or different countries collaboration um, I think that was brought up a little bit again um, not quite as as loudly as last year but um, you know different adaptations um, you know the you know what is the future of that um, so I was brought up a bit. So I'm always curious about that, but I didn't need these analysts in t- stuff to talk about it. It's what I'm interested in anyway.
2: Kevin? Hmm. You know, I... The the Korean Manwan web webcomics breakthrough bit was interesting, Uh, Do you think
1: that could actually happen? Because we've seen how Mawa has done uh, before, Kevin. It's like we have seen certain segments of Korean culture make the breakthrough. But I'm still not sure about Mawa, you know what I mean? In certain animation.
2: It just needs one good adaptation because apparently the last batch of adaptations were so-so. Like, yeah, people watch God of High School and Tower of God because... Crunchyroll advertised them heavily, but then I it didn't seem like they were huge hits in the same way as, say, a Jujutsu Kaisen. There's definitely a lot more manhwa readers now than before, and we're slowly getting more of those popular manhwa out because you have titles like Solo Leveling coming out in English now. So... Like I said, these are predictions, right? Uh, You think think it's possible.
1: Maybe Yen Press Press might take another bite at the apple because remember they brought in, oh, I forget her name, but remember she did Mawa and stuff like that in print and then they bought out that one publisher and they started their own Mawa and stuff like that when Yen Press started and it just kind of petered out, so to speak. So it makes you wonder if they could revive that again.
2: I'm also curious with the whole Disney and anime thing because in Japan they did acquire some titles to put on Disney Plus. So this is a put up or shut up moment for them.
1: Well, I think it's going to be a slow boil it's, on that one. Yeah, yeah for Disney, but we'll see. So you, you is- the
0: whole story will play itself out in 2022, do you, James?
1: No, but I am intrigued on the continuing development, as I said before, of audiobooks and we have seen especially from uh Young Press trumpeting them. We've seen uh, some of them come out. Like I know I would be excited to listen to um Tanya the Evil and I know Monica Real is doing the reading of that one. So they have been going to dubbing studios that have had like I guess anime adaptations and stuff like that and getting some of the voice actors to uh do the readings for some of these books and it's been slow to build up but hopefully uh it comes through and then we also uh saw that last year and it's starting to come out is the first three um Vampire Hunter D audiobooks. And hopefully maybe that uh gives some new life uh to that because it's been a slow release for Dark Horse on that. But they're only at I think twenty or twenty two or twenty three or twenty four volumes and that guy just keeps on writing. But hmm. but that one would be the one that would be more to the mainstream I feel for uh, Vampire Hunter D compared to the others. So that'd be interesting to see how that plays
0: out. The only two things, uh, just to follow up on both Kevin and James's thoughts that I want to bring up before I go to my own. When you when Kevin talked about the Korean part of the equation, I can't help but think about the Wattpad purchase we talked about last year and the integration with, with uh, Webtoons because that, maybe that's another another step uh, in, that is in the line of that thing last year when it comes to James's thoughts on um audiobooks becoming a thing in many respects this is maybe almost the evolution of things that are that is culturally built into Japanese entertainment consumption. I've always said that spoken word the drama play was always a thing there. Radio um, spoken word radio, drama plays, dra- uh, radio dramas, I think that's the word I was looking for. That's always been a thing in Japan. it it, it all it pretty much died off here in North America but that the concepts pretty much as far as i know have have still existed in Japan and in many ways this is bringing it like this is almost bringing those properties those concepts here which is one of those well there's a lot of things that have been coming to Japan that we that other segments have resisted other segments in the west resisted but have but as time has go- gone and maybe young, uh, youth have grown into the market, the target market, and have embraced it, it's become more accepted. So this is, so that, so James pointing that out and the whoever the analyst was, I forgot who it was, wanting to point that out is a keen thought
2: to me. And then we have Audible.
0: You- yes, and then we have Audible too. So, But but the thing is, and yes, we have Audible, so why not latch on to the parts of that culture that has already worked in the West? To me, the big thought, uh, the big one that uh, stuck out to me is the China question.
1: And I had mentioned that before because uh, it's oh. a fickle uh, country, as we know, with uh, Winnie the Pooh there, and it may be able to get in there and get uh, their uh, money or sow their seeds, but if they decide that it's, it's not going to happen and they close the gates, right? Like it affects them and it affects those companies in uh, China, just like Tencent. That's why they're looking outside their borders because they never know, right? It's t- it's a the way Roland
0: Kelts quickly termed it. It feels like it's China wanting to have its cake and eat it too. But this is that it's a question that you guys know I've always held an interest in, and I've always wanted to talk to people a little bit more in the know of that part of the story. And to that end, um, to that end, there's still a guest that. Uh, Miss uh, Michi, who did the um, who's done a couple panels for the Anime North online shows, and we have endeavored to have her come on the show. She has long agreed. We just have to be able to, you know, may uh, just uh, get our schedules to work out. But she is somebody I know we could talk to on this subject in the future. Uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, okay, that was good. Hey, nice work. Actually, uh, we got through um, that uh, article pretty good. And they talked about NFTs in there. And that was. What's your NFT? Okay, give me your NFT thought as we start to wind it down.
1: Well, uh, supposedly, Shonen Jump, as we know, on the 18th had a a big announcement. And being 2022, (laughs) everyone's like, it's NFTs. And uh, the funny part of it is, I think. Was it you, Jeff, that said it was a tense? How many hours was it? Two hours? Three hours?
4: Yeah, it was. It was very quick. <laughs>
1: but um, but I'm thinking, so they did a tweet reply, which is incredible to think they did that. So obviously, the person <laughs> running the Shonen Jump USA Twitter has is a, is, a, is a nice person, and said, "No, it's not NFTs." And then the response to that was just ridiculous where it became their most liked tweet for shonen jump usa and think about that it's probably been on there for a while and you think of the properties and that's their most liked tweet ever hell I was yeah rele-
4: so i was relieved and i'm not even a shonen jump subscriber subscriber i mean i i used to be when it was a physical magazine um, but like I was right there with Jesse Bradridge in the sense that I wanted yeah. to cancel my subscription if it was NFTs, and I didn't even have a subscription.
3: Um,
4: <laughs> and it, it was so five thousand likes, way to go, Jesse! It was so funny to me when the the result or the answer to this mystery was T-shirts. Like- well, it was
1: a uh, Shonen Jump. Uh, let's go back to the story. It was an official U.S. Shonen Jump store. That's basically what it is, selling like as you said, different merchandise, T-shirts and things like that. Kind of like uh, last year at the end of last year when Atlas launched their own store, right, to sell merch and stuff like that. So,
4: I'm like, that's that's all well and good, but like Uniqlo and Hot Topic have.
1: You know, my hero academia about, and, and leadership. So like, how inclusive is it? Is the question right? <laughs>
0: there's a, there's a. What was the? What's the point? I mean, it'll be different designs they, unless, unless they're, like, unless, um, unless they're willing to end their uh, collaboration with
4: Uniqlo. I I do think that there's an opportunity for them to offer more unique um, products and like print on demand because if you're in a hot topic or. Um, even Uniqlo or something. Um, you can't post or you can't like try to sell fringe products because they're not going to sell. So like if you look at when Uniqlo has had Pokemon promotions, it's it's the most popular Pokemon. So it's your starters and maybe your Gengar, Snorlax, Lucario type of things. But if you go on the Pokemon Center website, the products are a lot more varied. You have the custom Pokemon shirts that are like $200 that have any not any Pokemon you want, but you can, you know, get a Doduo or a Dunspar shirt if you want. Um, Or like plushies of, you know, needle, needle ran Male or, you know, Shellos North or, or, fry, or yes. East or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly, right? So I think that based off of what I've seen from, say, Sega's store... Like, if you go to Walmart or Target in the US and you're looking for, like, a Sonic the Hedgehog shirt, you can find Sonic Knuckles and Tails, no problem. You go to Sega of America's online shop, you can find Big the Cat and Rouge the Bat. Like, I think that this is an opportunity um, for Shonen Jump to do that, or to do designs that might be a little bit more unique or, air quotes, mature. So I think that there is a possibility of it having a a purpose. But, I don't know, UniClothes shirts tend to be pretty artsy, so, eh, I
1: don't know. And I guess it's engaging with the community. You mentioned Sega, and I think that helped Atlas launch their store and stuff like that, probably the same backbone and stuff like that. And they went after, I guess, uh, Persona first, and now they're asking us, like, hey, what do you guys want? Like, do you, are you okay with Catherine and all these others? And they said, what type of products do you want? Do you want as a t-shirt, as a cup, and so on and so forth? So they're looking at different or, special or, things to give or, you right?
0: or in the case of Catherine
2: mouse
1: pads.
0: Oh, those oh exist. Yeah, looks-
2: come on. Those have to exist somewhere.
1: <laughs> and we've seen it too. Obviously NISA, uh, they had their store and they were doing games, but they've even went into merch and stuff like that. And even the Falcom stuff they've teamed up with, they've been doing merch and stuff like that. Like the first crossbell game, uh, trails to zero uh they have the special edition and now they got merch alongside if you want to uh, show your fandom i guess okay well
0: all right well i who knows what else to add there well i can't ten...
1: tell you that if in 10 years i'm not able to buy on the official shonen jump uh usa site a t-shirt of goku in nft form i will not be happy <laughs>
4: So just a hexagon Twitter icon of a shirt.
0: I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. There's some contradictory terms there. Okay. Before we go, last thing uh, I want to bring up, and let's talk Sega, but more specifically about two properties that are about to get adaptations, or or uh, or at least one will come out this week, and then one that's being worked on.
4: Sonic movie two coming in April. Oh boy. Um.
0: Not yet. But yeah. uh, I was thinking, I was thinking more Shenmue and Judgment. Which one do you want to tackle just quickly?
1: I think um,
0: Shenmue is, is announced for February fifth.
1: And I think, I think Judgment that'll... was uh, live action, right? And that was more in Japan. Well, but I think the bigger one—that one. That okay, let's talk Shenmue for a second, and then we'll talk. Uh... But I was thinking, yeah, Shenmue is the more interesting one. So that was a Crunchyroll Adult Swim uh, collaboration before they uh, got picked up by Sony. So th- I think this is the last one, but they had Fina Pirate Princess and then the one they're doing now with uh, Blade Runner. And uh, now they have uh, Shenmue, which is supposedly going to happen starting in February. And it's been interesting. Like, this is where we thought it was going to go with these collaborations. It'd be interesting to see how they did. But Shenmue's interesting that we saw the trailer And it was interesting. They did have the forklifts in there, so we will get forklift action. And then the other interesting thing is on the dub side. Because they're not going to have the dub actors in English from the game. And different people had different things to say about that when we had Shemuth Greed. But it definitely, I guess, probably would not work out exactly as we probably would hope in a nostalgia way for an anime. But they actually didn't even go to, say, um, NYAV Post or to someone in California. They actually went to Sentai. So Sentai is going to be dubbing this for them. So that'll be interesting on the dub side to see how that goes. The takeaway I got from that is it doesn't sound like the ori- any
0: of the original music from the video game featured in
1: it. Yeah, it'll be and interesting to see where things, that goes. Too. That was one of the and things
0: I really loved about the original game. But just my opinion on that.
1: And I guess the other question is, how much are they going to adapt? Is it just going to be the Yokohama arc?
0: Good question. Or are they going to get to
1: Hong Kong? I don't know. Probably, um,
0: uh, it looks like, uh, at least that looks like the intention down the road.
4: I found it interesting that all the marketing for, for Scott Pilgrim was that it's an anime, but for Shenmue, it's Shenmue the Animation. Um, like and uh, it might not be any production in Japan at all, but you know it's a Japanese property, um, Japanese characters. I just find I just found that interesting that you know the American or Canadian uh, indie comic about Canadians is being marketed as an anime, and this one is being marketed as the animation.
0: Well, we're talking also two different companies with two different marketing strategies,
1: I guess. that's true. Yeah, they got telecom animation films doing animation production. So they definitely have the Japanese content and definitely Crunchyroll on their site when they were announcing everything. They definitely had the Japanese uh, voice actors and everything else front and center and stuff like that. That's good. It's just when you saw the English ones, like the names and you're looking and you're like, they don't say Sentai explicitly. But when you look at the English cast list, it's like, oh, they're, dubbing this at sentai
4: yeah and plenty i know i know plenty of japanese you know productions have had the animation as a subtitle i just thought it was kind of funny
1: a lot of video okay. games too right so
0: <laughs> and finally okay last thing and judgment onto judgment it sounds like there's going to be a live action of that and out of all people to be starring in it hakuya kimura is set to is being tapped to for the lead. Which makes sense, considering it's his likeness uh, in the main character anyway. But, remember, there was this talk li- late last year, or around the time Lost Judgment came out, that this could be the last game in the Judgment series. Because, was it Johnny's?
1: Yeah, it was Johnny's, I believe. So that's why and it adds the intrigue, a little intrigue, like doesn't it?
0: <laughs> that's what adds a lot of intrigue. So, I want to end on a single yes or no. TK's involvement in this live-action project all but confirms that there will be another game in the Judgment series.
1: I can't say yes or no. I think there will be another game, but with him involved, probably not.
0: Yeah. I, I, like... Yeah, but that—that's just—that's the wrinkle in this story that just grabbed my attention. That all said, uh, uh, on the topic of properties on Sony games, Yakuza is still there. Yakuza will probably be um, front and center as the PlayStation Five is opened up. And yeah, I get it; it's a PS4 game.
1: And they have brought, remember, to Xbox and stuff like that. I believe it is on Game Pass and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. they definitely have so, grown it, which is great to see. And I think it's the Atlas Sega partnership again. It's like it's great to see how that grew from that. Mm-hmm. I Kevin? think Kevin has signed
2: Oh well, that? I'm just looking at the. Well, it's not pertaining to your topic. I was just browsing through the Shonen Jump store, uh, yeah, these are okay. The the bleach <laughs> the bleach stuff's kind of interesting. Like the like the purple there's that purple ish Ichigo hoodie that's kinda neat and there's another Ichigo like white sweatshirt that's 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 actually a, a cool design, but the one piece stuff is kind of meh. Not very, yeah, it's, only, just only very cool it's just very simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, 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 I don't mean, know. They gotta Maybe they're limited to how they can design it. I don't know, but uh like well, if that this, thing uh, is forty this, bucks, if that t shirt's forty bucks, it better be like from a good from a good like factory, which I don't know if it would be. Well to be fair to them. They'll be able to use t- you know, Demon Slayer stuff, right? Right? Yeah, they could. Right? I feel like they would at some point or another. It's
0: just... I, because I of all the like... talk about about them calling copyright on Demon Slayer designs.
1: Are they going to be able wow. to use Shueisha the transformation that, that supposedly uh, some people on oh. uh, the Western side of Twitter got offended by? <laughs> uh, just saying. That's what just...
3: Anyway.
2: Well, they're clearly trying to play yeah. into the whole drop culture that's prevailing in streetwear now where, oh, well, we're only going to make so many, and when they're gone, they're gone. They're trying to, you know, use that mindset Limited to try emission. and get people to buy stuff, but then the stuff has to be good.
1: Uh, they wanna you just can't put a FOMO. face on a t-shirt, that's for sure. But.
0: You want to play on FOMO emotions, right? Yeah, and kind of like me browsing through the PlayStation store during the holiday sale.
2: Anyway, it just feels very basic for most of these products. So maybe maybe uh, maybe
0: just wait for the Uniqlo drop.
2: <laughs> I just well, we the Uniqlo stuff's number, not that great, so. honestly. Design-wise, the Uniqlo collab stuff is very average for the most part. Yeah, well, uh, let me take a look at that uh,
1: uh, after we're done. But if they can be like the Atlas Store and maybe the Sega Store and some of those other ones, and do a bit more questions to the audience and stuff like that, and give them a few more months, maybe they'll get better designs. But I guess they're also uh, hamstrung because they have to get those approved by uh, the higher ups in Japan too. Right? That's the
2: thing. Yeah, like it. It depends. You would really want someone who is an actual designer to be on board here to make stuff that can be more visually striking. Like I look at the collaboration between a streetwear brand named I'm going to cover and the Evangelion collab that they did this fall. And some of that stuff looks pretty cool. Even if most of that stuff isn't very wearable, there are some pretty like out there designs that June Takahashi incorporated into his coats and his jackets using some of the like avas as a backdrop like like you, if if i like link you some of that stuff that you'll see a clear difference in terms of like design ethos in that sense
1: yeah the well, ava stuff was really interesting i remember seeing it and i so wouldn't wear like. it but it looked cool i agree it definitely had more of a look than what you're seeing in the generic stuff that probably was on the shonen jump usa site at the moment and even some other sites right Right, Well, send me the
2: link, okay? Sure. anyway,
0: anyway, because you know now 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 you have my curiosity just to see what these look like. Anyway, that's all we got for tonight. So first time watching or listening, well, especially first time listening. once again, here's where you can contact us anime roundtable at gmail.com at anime roundtable anime roundtable.com. And don't forget, we are, we are on Twitch, twitch.tv slash anime roundtable and on YouTube with the intention of more stuff to come in the future there. And as for this podcast, don't forget to give us a review wherever you're enjoying this, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and the like, because reviews will always help get us noticed. What type of reviews are we looking for? Five-star ones. Kept it simple this time, didn't you, Kevin? Yes, I did. Throughout the pandemic series, we had been trying to do regular episodes every other week, but as you probably have now guessed, we're going to try and do something on an almost weekly basis. Whether it be on a podcast or... On Twitch or on YouTube. Regardless, try to keep us. Uh, we're going to try and add new stuff wherever we can. So hit the subscribe or follow button on all of the platforms we're on, so you can be notified whenever we add something new there for your enjoyment. The theme song is entitled "Fubuki Snowstorm" by Pico Misaki. Which was the title track of her newest album. Check out more of her music at PicoInfinity.com or on her Facebook page at PicoZenMusic. So until next time, thanks for listening. Good night from Toronto. Join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. Okay, anything any, any last thoughts before I hit well, the uh, that, hit the stop that, button?
2: Well, that second Mo chapter say of my Triangle... triangle. <laughs> Mo,
4: Mo, did
0: you want to add anything?
4: Yeah, yeah, he was interrupted at some point. I felt really bad.
0: <laughs> sorry, Mo. During
4: the sh- during the Shonen Jump st- uh, store stuff. store. Sorry, what, what was I saying? What Shonen Jump? I oh, know you you started to say something but then you were
3: cut Oh off. yeah no <laughs> I, I'm surprised by this what they're trying to sell here cuz this store is not good bro <laughs> Oh
1: this been oh, my cousin looking through the store
3: <laughs> like okay ugh.